You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but you don't need to be a man to join us. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many more. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. I'm always excited the way that this show lets me meet men from, from all around the world and learn about them and, and how they're serving other men. And today's show is no different from that. My guest today is a husband, father, speaker, a men's coach, and trainer of men, George, I got to practice this, George Stimonoff. <laughs> Please welcome, welcome to the show, George. <laughs> That's really good, Andy. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So how, how bad did I get your name wrong? Was that all right? Oh, yeah. I've heard it a lot worse, so you're fine. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you say your full name? <laughs> Stuimanov. Stuimanov, yeah. Man, it's like you've got, uh, you've got like, tongue going different ways than I, than I, I can do it all. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. So, and where are you joining us today from? I'm in Eastbourne, East Sussex, England. England. So it's down, down in the coast. Cool. Now, your accent is not English. No, no, of course not. So, That's not my Sussex accent. I come originally from Bulgaria, oh. which, is, which is in the Balkans. So uh, basically, where I come from is between Black Sea, Turkey, Greece, uh, what used to be Yugoslavia, and Romania from the north. So it's a, it's a very interesting, um, shall we say, place. Yeah, right. So, so how long did you live in Bulgaria? Um, most of my life, until I came here 10 years ago, basically. All right. So, so what was it like growing up in Bulgaria? I, I don't know anything about Bulgaria. So what, what was it like growing up there? Well, probably enough to say that it was under communism for 45 years. Mm. And uh, before that, it has been under Ottoman domination for 500 years. And so it's always been a struggle for independence and, and wholeness. And so without sounding too negative, there is lack of freedom there. There's lack of emotional freedom in Bulgaria. There, I mean, people say that everywhere, including here, but it's nothing compared to what we've got there because, because of the history again. Hmm. It's, um, yeah. So that, that lack of emotional freedom, it's, it's really part of the, the culture and the politics and everything. Absolutely, yeah. And, and it's, is, it, is it for everybody or primarily for men? Of course, as always. When it comes to lack of emotions, it's always men, isn't it? <laughs> Generally speaking. Right. And... And growing up there, like, did, did you notice, did you feel that constraint? Did, did you feel like I'm, I'm not able to express what I want to, or did it, was it just become like automatic and you, like, you, you don't know what you don't know? I actually knew a lot. And that was, that, I consider this to be the curse of my existence. And now I see it has been the blessing. But um, from very early age, I remember growing up, as any kid would, you read books, you watch films, you're so impressionable, you look at life, and you want to express. You want to uh, copy the people on the screen. You want to be someone 
better, not better, but higher than who you currently are. And then you don't need anyone to teach you not to express yourself. It's like you have this thermometer inside of you, that's emotional thermometer. And then when it's cold all around you, of course, you feel that cold and you shut down. Just try and keep warm, so to speak. Just try and protect yourself. So I remember looking around and thinking, how come this life is so gray? There's so much luck in this life. And yet there's so much desire inside of me to be someone different. Hmm. I didn't know at the time that actually proves who we really are deep down. Cool. So, so you're, you, you grew up, everyone being kind of taught not to express, to keep things inside. What, what are some of the other kind of lessons or, or ways you were taught that a, that a man is supposed to behave or act? Well, of course, if you are not tough in terms of, I mean, I don't want to sound again, I didn't grow up like you have a child from Brooklyn when you see people shot and stuff. Actually, in rural Bulgaria, things are very nice on a very superficial level. You seemingly have everything. You go to school. I grew up in a village where we all know each other. It's almost like a little token shire. You know, it's rural. It's beautiful. Um, you don't see what you haven't got. You don't see the lack of emotions. You don't see the lack of connection to people. You don't see the lack of mental freedom that people in the West generally you know, tend to have. So um, what was the question again? <laughs> what, what other ways were you taught of, of how a man should act or behave? But besides not expressing emotions, were there other, other elements to that? Absolutely, yeah, of course. You shouldn't let people mess with you. And looking at men like my dad, who would be very vocal about how a man should stand up for himself. And to this day, I don't disagree with that. A man should protect, including himself. But when you haven't got that connection with that self, what have you got to protect? It's just an external image. And I remember being 15 when I was, um, I just started to go out in a local youth, probably call it a nightclub. It wasn't. It was, I mean, even to this day, it's still the same. It's an old communist building that in the daytime is a restaurant, which nobody goes to, where you can hire because it's only like older people living there now, especially now. But then Friday and Saturday, this would be like our nightclub. And then you hear all the Western music. And that was the first years of democracy. So everything was, was sort of westernized. But the structure, the building, including the structures within our own heart, were still from before. That cement, so to speak, was still within us and around us. That grayness. And, um, and I remember there was a boy there, a very fatherless, very lost boy, who's actually now dead. He died from heroin, sadly, not that long ago, who um, just saw that weakness in me and decided to become strong at my expense. And he, he just punched me in the face. He made a joke, I couldn't respond properly because I was so inhibited. And it wasn't a physical thing. It wasn't a fight like, he wasn't bigger or stronger than me. I didn't even try to fight because I knew I didn't have it inside of me. I knew I was not like my father. I just knew I, I, knew I would never be heroic. I would never be able to express how I felt. I would never be able to be strong, to stand up, to protect, defend anything or anyone, including myself. And I hated myself. But from that day, it was that deep belief that not only does a man need to, to be strong against other men, but I'm not one of these men. So what do I do? From that very next moment, literally from the next day, I started lifting weights. Obviously, I don't look like this now, but only like years ago, I was 10 kilos heavier, I was bigger, and I just hit that little boy inside of me because I hated him and I just wanted to survive in the world. Hmm. Men should be tough. That's the other lesson. And so in a community where every man is tough or acting tough, is it just confrontation after confrontation? Can, can, a, can a man show that he's tough in any way except uh, uh, trying to bully someone else? 
Yeah, I didn't see that much bullying. And I think that's the sadness of a post-communist country is that the confrontations, they weren't that much external. I didn't see, I mean, I saw it, but not that often. My fellow villagers like beating one another all the time, maybe only in the weekend when they drank. It was mostly like inward hatred of yourself and external building of that image that I'm tough. And most of them were just silent people, very silent people, not aggressive and violent so much as just silent of that deepest division between you and your own real self and you not being able to be like that man. And there, there was a lot of inner frustration in the man. I, you see this really peaceful man, as soon as they had a few drinks, they, they become violent. And normally they wouldn't be. They're good husbands and fathers. And suddenly that inner rage, which until then had been directed at your own self, then now you want to prove yourself. You see, I can be tough, like the system tells me to be. I can be tough as you. And then you see peaceful people do horrible things. So that's how it manifested very often in the unexpected way. And how did you deal with your own self-hatred? Did you follow that, that same path? I couldn't actually. I, I did it later, but I hated myself because I couldn't even do that. See, the tragedy, which I consider to be a tragedy of my existence, is that, you know, some people, they say, you know what, from now on, I'm going to be tough and beat everyone up. And I, I was thinking, I wish I could be that. I wish I could become a violent man. At least I'll have peace in my heart that, there you go, I'm protecting myself. And I still know that inside I'll be a nice guy. However, I just couldn't be. I didn't know at the time that, that that boy inside of me was still very much alive. So he was very sensitive and he didn't want to be pushed into things. But a few times I actually made him. I actually made him. And, and, and I crossed some very dangerous boundaries at times. And in my late teens, we to do with drugs and, and violence here and there. And I got hit, <laughs> I got hit with a baseball bat in the head one time. <laughs> but I don't want to make it sound as if it is as like a lifetime of crime. Not really. It was just at times trying to prove myself. But mostly it was internal because I couldn't get angry with other men. This happened, me being violent happened very, very few times. But it was the lack of, lack of courage in the face of other men. Like, not to do with physical violence mostly, but if let's say me and you did a podcast and I disagreed with you, but I look at you and say, oh, he looks like someone who is not afraid, he's expressive, I can't disagree with him. And then I'll drive away hating myself, resenting you for, for exposing this in me. And then these feelings, I didn't know at the time, but they actually formed what became my depression. I didn't know. Thankfully, I didn't have a label for depression because nowadays labels can give us uh, freedom not to do anything about an issue or, or a good excuse. However, because I didn't have a label, I didn't know what it was. And here you have this young man, um, athletic, with big body, with muscles, looking like, hundred, like a million bucks. And yet what people didn't know is that I struggled to get out of bed in the morning. There was this lack of life. Now, if you told me that there is a party somewhere that will carry on for three days and and there will be just pleasure and enjoyment. And um, then I'll be up and running in that direction. But if you told me that I had to get up and go to work or do something that I didn't particularly like, I just feel that, that lethargy. And people would look at me and say, what's wrong with you? You don't look like that kind of guy. But when I, I remember I had a girlfriend, she said, I didn't know you were so boring because she used to see me going out and clubbing with, with my mates and looking the part. But when you started living together, you say, you're so boring. You just want to lie in your bed and read all day, you know, and go out at night and drink uh, or numb yourself with pleasures, which is what I did. It was that depression. What I didn't know at the time is that, literally when you take the word depress, suppress, as 
the opposite of expression. So my inner self, my psyche, my mind, part of my mind, whatever you want to call it, was so was working so hard suppressing that inner anger and rage so that I was literally working all the time. And then I got up in the morning and feeling tired. Of course I'll be tired. I'm doing this inner work suppressing my true emotions without even knowing it. And that's why I was tired. Yeah, that I, I totally relate to that and and uh, agree wholeheartedly that it's uh you know it's exhausting to to deny how how bad we feel or how how much we're not enjoying life that that that's really a draining experience absolutely yeah so did one day you just woke up i'm willing to express myself or you know you moved to the uk and everything just blossomed like how, how did you what what was the change that that you went through well i did move to the uk and that was that really was a great thing for me but before that maybe i should mention is that as i said ever since being in the in the nursery school, almost, or primary school, the first year, being six, seven years old, I remember feeling fear from other boys. And looking at other boys who were stronger than me, including my father when he was younger, and I think he always was able to make himself angry against bullies or against injustice, even if he's like a meeting, company meeting, he would get up and speak, not being aggressive, but, but speak his mind. And he's not afraid of what people think. Um, me, however, I'm thinking, why can't I be like this? But then one person I did get angry with was my mom. And I remember feeling so irritated because obviously my mom, she did treat me a bit like her boy. And because my dad was emotionally absent, bless him, I'm not blaming anyone, but I have been dealing a lot with my father wound and mother wound. So the truth is true, it has to be spoken. And he was not there to actually teach me how to be like him, how to belong in his world. So my mom was there all the time. <laughs> and for some reason, that really, I didn't know it was that, but it, she irritated me so much. And I felt this ugly hatred. Uh, and I remember just hating myself for feeling that hatred towards my mom, because you're supposed to love your mom. And later on, what happened is, I actually, the only person that I did get angry was the person, the other female presence in my life that sort of replaced my mom, was the, the woman I lived with. So to go back on your question, I, I met a girl when I was 24, living in Bulgaria. At this time, I thought I was at the top of the world because I lived a totally unchallenged life. I had been to university uh, on the sea coast and it was beautiful and there were many tourists there. So it was a whole new world of pleasure had opened up for me. For four years, I was living, I was drinking out of this sea of pleasure. And because it's a different city, I invented a whole new self. I was just totally different and I could be finally, I thought, who I wanted to be. And I was not a bad guy. I never did, well, I did some bad things, but uh, it was, I, I never made a lifestyle of, of being a bad guy or trying to beat people up. I actually just wanted pleasure. And, and if I did want to have muscles, it's because I hated my body, first of all. So I always went to the gym. And second, just to keep the, the bullies away from me, to keep men who want to take advantage away from me so that I look tough enough not to be messed with. So then I met this girl and she was, she was different by... She was different from all the other girls. That in this, that she actually required me to be more than who I thought I was. She actually, she was my age, and I'm so grateful to say that she's my wife today. We've been through hell together, and uh, we've paid the price. But she, she demanded that I become the man that she was seeing in me that I could be. And it was about truth and integrity and things that were totally alien to me. I always thought I was a good guy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so I figured that, if I made her happy, if I sacrificed something huge for her, then 
she'll just give me a lifetime of happiness. So I just had this wonderful job opportunity and I was 24 and I was looking okay. I was living in a good place. I had a car. I, I didn't have much expenses because I was working for someone who was very wealthy. So he really helped me, just, just gave me this effortless living. And then she came into my life. So I was torn, what do I do? Because she's always traveled. She, she's used to live in America. She used to live in Greece, in Cyprus. And she, she just came to take a few exams in the university where we were together. And then say, well, I'm thinking of just continuing traveling. Maybe I'm gonna go to the UK or Denmark next and, and see, I take it from there, see where I'm gonna go. And here I was thinking, there's only one person that walked into my life that is worth sacrificing something for, because I was very selfish. When you've not fully grown up inside yourself, you're a child. When you're a child, a child is selfish. That's what they do. It's not their fault, but they need to grow up. So I was thinking, well, what do we do? Giving up other women was not enough for her, clearly. <laughs> and, and agonized for like 10 days. And then I thought, you know what? Unless I take a risk to step out outside of my comfort zone, I will never know what that life would be like. So we came to the UK together and it was, for two years, it was, it was just hell. I was living with someone that close who, who demands you to be who you could be in a good way, not in a negative way, who wants a mature relationship instead of a boy in a man's body. It exposes all of your issues, all of them, including things like pornography or, or lust, like doing, lusting after other women. And even though I didn't actually do anything, I was still very much at a well, that's, that's how it is. As, as long as you look and don't touch. My mind was divided, it, it was torn. But um, then the anger actually came. The anger that I wanted to have when I was younger to protect me now actually came, came out again, manifested against the person who I love most. And it was so ugly, it was so terrible that it was just hell for, for two years. And until we actually discovered that that anger was there, but it wasn't against my wife, it wasn't against anyone. It was first against my father, then against my mother, and then against myself. And I had to get, take this deep journey about, okay, I'm feeling this emotion now. And I'm naturally pulled to go and deal with it my way, which is most of the time I didn't express any anger, just numb it with something. It used to be porn, it used to be chocolate, it used to be drink, cocaine, whatever, even watching a nice film, something, or sleeping. When I went to my deepest depression, I slept quite a lot because there's so much work done, so you get tired. And then, then my wife, who is now my wife, she really helped me. She said, what you're feeling right now, it's nothing to do with me, it's your mom. And she would say things like, I want you to go in the other room and tell your mom how you feel. <laughs> I'm like, that's crazy, she's not here. But she's here. She's in my body, in my emotions. So I expressed a lot of emotions and then the more I expressed, the more I was actually able to see that there is a need for me to forgive my parents. But it took me like 10 years, but that forgiveness can't be superficial because I've met many people since I've been part of men's group and all sorts of organizations that to do with your inner health. But many people either ask you to forgive in an outward way, we just need to forgive, just forgive, or just holding on to bitter like resentment. I think for me, the way I managed to forgive, and I still am day to day thing, is first you need to get in touch with what's, what's negative, and then you can get to the positive. Because unless you give that boy expression, how he feels, you can't ask him to forgive. That's like you're abusing him. You're just dragging this little wounded boy saying, you gotta forgive now, you better forgive. 
And that's the division between you and that little boy inside of you is greater and greater. But when I started to honor that little boy and, and saying, yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. It's horrible, but that's how I feel. And, and, and facing that person almost sort of in my mind, taking that journey back decades ago, then after that, I'll be just exhausted from the emotions, but honored as well. Wow. Finally, the darkest part of myself, that uh, there's so much shadow work involved, uh, the darkest part of myself is finally given expression. I don't feel great now. I feel honored. I feel good. I don't feel more negative. Actually, when I was suppressing it, I was feeling horrible about myself because I didn't even know what half of it looked like. Now I know, but now I know why I feel this way. And now I can look at my parents from an objective point of view and say, Do you know what? I let you go. Not because you deserve to be let go. Not because it doesn't matter the way you treated me or what you didn't give me, but because I can't judge you. That's hurting me. So someone said to me once, forgiveness is letting a prisoner free and then discovering that the prisoner is yourself. <laughs> so that's, I just started getting in touch with myself, basically becoming whole. Yeah, that, that's really powerful. And, and again, very resonates with, with my own experience as well. Um, it, it seems so many people are resistant. They, they kind of know where the pain in themselves is, but they don't want to touch it or feel it. But you can't heal until you're willing to feel it. <laughs> that's and, right, yeah. Yeah, we can't, again, if you're dragging your inner child around and saying, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. Yeah, that, that's not healing. That's not helpful. That's just building more, more self-trauma even. That's exactly right. So your wife saw your potential. So she, she didn't grow up in Bulgaria, so she didn't have kind of the gray cloud kind of embedded in her. She actually did grow up in Bulgaria. She but, did? Wow. But, so, how we, how, so, so how was she so, it, it sounds like she was really unique. Well, she had, she had traveled a lot more. She had sort of seen the world from an early age. And her dad is a very unique man. Her, her dad is, he's in his late 60s and he's, he looks after himself, like physically. He's very childlike, very happy. And I think that's what made the difference. Her mom is different, but her dad, I think, that childlikeness, which in a communist country, childlikeness is the hardest thing to hold on to. Because mm. that's, that's what the system wants to kill, because that's where creativity comes from. Oh, and you don't, you, don't, you don't want people to be creative, because they might create something that will destroy the system. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. That's fascinating. And so it sounds like, and again, your exuberance, where you are now, that, that your, hmm, I don't say naivete, but yeah, your childlike behavior, your inner child, you know, might have been beaten down, but certainly is, is here and, and thriving now. Mm, yes, absolutely. Cool. So why do you think, so, so now, I mean, you're coaching other men, you're meeting other men. So obviously, it, it's not only that, that men who grew up in Bulgaria don't express themselves. <laughs> so, you know, what, what do you think? What, why is it that so many men d deny or hide their emotions? Well, men and women have been conditioned because of the state of the world. I've, I recently released a podcast called Broken because I don't believe just the world needs just a little fix. Everything is broken. I think it was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, the reason why the world lays divided in broken heaps is because we're divided within ourselves. And so things I think are much serious than what we think. It's not only men, it's women in a different way, but it's part of being conditioned. And of course, in the past, men had to be tough. And I don't think being strong is a negative thing. Imagine if 
let's say, take the British people who I love this place, that's my home. So if I don't learn its history, then I, I don't do it justice. I don't honor it. I don't honor the soil that I'm standing on. I'm literally standing on an island of sacrifice of men who were willing to sacrifice themselves for something that was worth preserving, freedom. So that's their history. They've not been invaded in a thousand years. They stood up against the Nazis for a whole year without help from anywhere. And imagine if they were not strong. If they said, you know what, for the sake of peace, just, just turn the other cheek and, and just, just let the evil have its way. So that's a, there's a, there's a good place for men to be strong. However, many of those previous generation men, they grew up not having fathers around because of the Industrial Revolution. I think, or and other reasons, not having fathers that physically would take them into the world that you love, you're my boy, you belong to the world of strength. I don't wanna just make you strong, but I actually love you. And then when it's time for you to actually go and fight this horrible war, you not have to sacrifice that inner child. And I think that's what they did. They came back from the war feeling totally devastated inside. And the only thing that kept them going was that strength they had to master up. You have to go and kill another, another human being uh, and then they never reconcile with that trauma. So then you father children, how do you father them? If that child is not alive in you, well, you shut it down in, the, in themselves. Children should be seen and not heard. Be a good boy. And especially, I mean, how can you express anger? Then, then you get punished. Then you provoke the man's anger. So the only emotion that those men had, generally speaking, was, was negative one. And growing up in homes like that, of course, you can't be in touch. Ah, you know, there's, and, and I'm glad you brought it up because I want to reiterate it too, that there's, you know, this show is called Real Men Feel. And I'm never saying that men aren't supposed to be strong or that there's something wrong with being tough. There's something wrong with only being strong, with only being tough. That, that's, that's the, it's that limiting. It's that, the, I mean, you spoke of it beautifully. You're talking about Bulgaria, the, the grayness, the walls, right? Being constricted. That's where men and all human beings get into trouble. Yeah, because strength is imposed on them and you need to embrace it instead of being drawn out of them. Because when you see a little boy, now that little boy, unless he's very traumatized from early age, which also happens, even from the mother's womb, that also happens. And you carry things from their heritage. But unless that happens, that little boy has, he gets angry at injustice, and, but he's also creative. He can draw, he can play, he can, he can laugh. So I think the best way to raise your kids is to draw goodness out of them and develop it. So if those boys were not the war and, and the brutal, harsh years after the war were not forced upon them, deal with it. If strength were brought out of them individually, which would be an ideal world, I guess, which, which is what I try to create, at least with the online community, is then you wouldn't have to lose that child. You'll be strong, but also, and again, look at the, the heroes that we like when we grow up. At least I can speak for myself and many men that I meet all the time. I grew up looking at people like, um, <laughs> there was this TV show called New World Zorro. I think it was 1991 or two. And there was this actor, American actor with a German surname, that Duncan someone I forgot. And he was, he was as a man, beautiful. Not because I like the way he looked, but because every emotion that he had was on his face. Like if he was sad, he would cry. If he was angry, he would be angry. And in every emotion, he would look fully himself, fully present, like a real man. He didn't have to have huge muscles to compensate for something, although it's nothing wrong with muscles. He didn't have to just cry all the time to show that he could. No, it's nothing wrong with that. 
but he was fully himself. And I think that's what we admire in people when we say, wow. And I, there's also uh, one of our national revolutionaries called Vasil Levski. And when you look at old photos of him, he just looks so peaceful, so beautiful as a man would be beautiful, but because his warrior spirit was there as well. He wasn't just, he was gentle, but he wasn't only gentle. He was a revolutionary, he was a dangerous man. And, and that ability of, wow, he's strong, he's present, but nothing is lost. He's still that boy, even more so. So that's, that's very appealing. You don't need to sacrifice. And when you look at the man before, okay, well, we have to be tough. And then no goodness, no joy, no creativity, no relation to children. You just want to suppress them and push them out. And then they produce, many of them, they produce a generation that now is so put off by any sort of display of strength and toughness. So now the temptation of today's age is to discard completely that, that any sort of strength and toughness, as, as people say, throw the baby out with the bathwater and just be sensitive. But then, thank God that people who fought the wars were not only sensitive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, I mean, it, it takes strength and courage and toughness to feel, to express. Right. Yeah, so, it, yeah, you can't just take what well, people can. It isn't good for them to just take one aspect or a few aspects. But, yeah, uh, bringing in the whole of, of your humanity. And you know, I, I find time and time again, when when you're willing to fully feel whatever emotion is showing up in that moment, that let you get through it quicker. It's, it's not as devastating as you might think and feel. But, yeah, you're, you're really present. You're really alive when you allow all emotions to be flowing and being expressed. That's right. So what, what, was, what was the toll when you were not expressing yourself, when you were, when you were stuffing those emotions? What, what, was the, what was the toll it took on you? Huh. Well, depression. That biggest, sort of most obvious thing is that my inability to, to be alive in my body. Like, for example, I hated physical manual labor. I hated any sort of, even movement, which is so strange because when you look at the way I was, I can, uh, I've got some photos on the internet somewhere of me being big and strong in the gym. You'd see that, wow, this guy is full of life. Total opposite. I only did the minimum. I only went to the gym. And in the gym even, it's so funny. I did things that didn't necessarily make me stronger, but it made me look big enough and good enough in my own eyes. So I didn't do the most challenging exercises, no. Who cares? I just want to look good and be big. And, and I, you know, I hated any sort of movement, any sort of, because I didn't feel at one with myself. I just felt everything was an effort. Again, because I've been laboring nonstop all the time, working within myself. And then also some very weird physical symptoms, really strange indigestions in my stomach. I used to take medicine in my 20s all the time, popping these pills like, like an old man, really, taking all the time medicine. And now I'm not, I'm just not. All that, all that emotional acid probably got transferred into physical acid. It's funny how the it's body, spirit, and soul is a whole thing, mind, it's, everything is one. Another thing is very serious back problems I had, really serious, and nothing ever works. Nothing ever worked. And then I started, of course, alongside my journey of, of finding my emotions, finding my true self, there was a physical side of it as well, finding how muscles like the hip flexors work. And, Funny, those are the muscles that respond to stress, hip flexors. And because in today's age, we're sitting a lot and we're driving a lot, this only sort of drives, drives us deeper into that bondage, that physical bondage of just tension. And I started stretching my hip flexors and, and, and doing these things that were the total opposite of, of what I've um, always done. Hmm. 
and how did your unexpressed emotions, um, how do they affect the people around you? How did it affect others? Well, for most of my life, it was deprivation. So I didn't see any negative effects. I wasn't lashing out at my mates. Oh, because I didn't feel like a man, you know, you don't challenge a man, <laughs> even when you need to. Because men, sometimes it's like this thing that iron sharpens iron. We need to sometimes correct one another if we're friends. But I never did that. I never corrected anyone because I want people to like me. So in that way, I deprived people whose lives I should have enriched of my true ability to, 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 to bring them something good. I never challenged anything that I saw as, as wrong because I want people to like me, number one. And number two, I'm afraid to challenge anyone because they might challenge me back. Then what am I going to do? I'm a coward inside. That's what I believed about myself. So I just always just was floating along and just being, being the center of the party as long as it came to uh, just laughing and, and joking. And, and I just became nobody, really. I didn't have a solidity to my presence. Mm. And later on, when it came to my wife, first, inability to be intimate, not necessarily sexually, but everything outside of that. Inability to enjoy physical touch. Unless if it led to sex, then yeah, of course. But what about the other time? Well, no, no, I just, it just didn't come naturally to me, whatever natural means nowadays, and I always ask. So it's that inability to connect, because again, you're not connected to yourself. If you're not connected to that little boy inside of you that, that wants to be creative and that wants, this, that wants to play, uh, you, you can't connect to anyone really properly. Everything is just false. So... Can you share some of the ways that, that you play today as a man? How, how does play come into part of your life? Oh, it's big. It's big. If I don't play, I'm not the person who I am. Um, creativity is a big one. I started to write because I always liked literature, but I didn't know that I could be, I could actually write myself. I was the, well, I'm not so-and-so. No, of course you're not. That's the whole point. Um, so I just started to write and write years ago, right? And uh, writing poetry, writing all sorts of things. And, and even now, when you look at Men's Corner, uh, there are, most of the writing there, 98% of the writing there is done by me. And even though English is obviously my second language, I'm st I enjoy writing, I enjoy words and expression, I enjoy stories, I enjoy music, classical music, which funny enough, I did as a boy. I remember being six or seven years old, listening to, to uh, Luciano Pavarotti and just feeling this awe. But then in my teens, I remember remembering that and I hated that about myself. I hated it with venom. Now it's part of my life again. Nature is huge. Because as a boy, growing up in Bulgarian countryside, I had plenty, because I was so introverted, I explored a lot. Catching snakes, running after lizards, terrapins, birds. Um, it's just wonder and joy. And again, when I grew up enough to be broken enough in my teens, after I turned 15 actually, that's it was a turning point that just my world became darker. I just left nature behind and I used to go fishing. I left it all behind and I hated it. And in the recent years, I've been turning back to everything that made me alive as a boy. That's the key, at least for me and many people that I work with. Whatever made you feel alive as a boy, there's something powerful there that you need to get back. Um, quite a few things. Also, I learned to swim three years ago, not that long ago. I learned to swim and none of the men in my family know how to swim. Isn't that interesting? Because swimming is about letting go, physical and emotional letting go. And my dad couldn't swim, so my brother couldn't swim, my brother's uh, son can't swim. So I'm the first 
of my immediate family to learn how to swim in my 30s. And it wasn't easy, it was a battle, mental battle, but I did, and now I live by the sea, obviously, and I'm just, I just love the water, so I play a lot. Cool, cool. And that's obviously very important, it brings a lot of life to you. Um, yes. So you mentioned the Men's Corner, so I, I know that's a resource that you've created, so, so tell me more about the Men's Corner. Yes, I had an idea recently, not that long ago, a couple of years ago, because in me, my journey of wholeness was not just one avenue. I didn't just go and see a counselor and then I started my own journey. I grew as a result of a group, so many different things, sometimes even seeming opposites. There was an emotional, spiritual avenue, there was physical, there was um, intellectual, working on your mind, and there's so many things. So I was thinking to myself, you know, I do help people and I can contribute, but I want to bring it sort of wider, wider impact. How would they do that? I want to see a place where people can receive what I've received in the last 10 years. Everything put together, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, so that I can serve them in this way. They can come and just drink from that library. I call it like, a, it's a library of knowledge created from men to men. And uh, basically that's what I'm, I'm doing with it. It's still growing. I've, uh, there isn't that much on it yet. So working on it, I'm bringing materials and creating. I started doing the podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm yet to start doing proper videos just because I'm so busy. But my vision is for this thing to grow and to be enriching for men and to help men to be well-rounded, not just one part, but all these different things that have helped me to put it together and just serve men with it. Hmm. And did, did something prompt you to want to, to work with other men and serve them? Or is this something you've just always been aware of since you were a child? How, how did that unfold? Well, that's very funny because... If you had told me when I was little that one day you'll be working with men, uh, <laughs> I feared other men and I never saw myself as a man. Which reminds me, there's a quote by Robert Bly who said, where your deepest wound is, that's where your greatest genius would be. Because the, the, the way you've been attacked by the world is to stop you from living out your calling, from your destiny. Whatever brokenness, darkness has come against you, is underneath is your true destiny. And if you overcome that, you're becoming the man who am who you're meant to be. So for me, it just started to happen. Like the more I became myself, literally like one month, I would experience some new level of wholeness. And within the same that month, a man will come my way and I'll be able to help that man. So the more my inner power, inner ability to impact grew within myself, the more my outer reach grew. Uh, I used to do personal training when I was back, back when I was still very much into fitness. And then few men came to me and they ended up receiving a lot more from just physical fitness. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that one day I'll put it all into practice as a business as well. Because now with the coaching thing, I am employed sometimes the physical. The physical is very important for men, especially if you have to express anger. You need to get in touch with your body. So, yeah. Yeah, right. Because all, all emotions, you know, good, bad, negative, positive, whatever, they, they yeah, as you said, they live in your body and... And unexpressed emotion can become physical symptoms and, and stiffness or even worse. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where it, it takes, all, again, it takes all aspects of us, all of our humanity, um, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. Um, I, I wonder if there's a, a particular habit, a book, a program that, that helped you that, that you can recommend to everybody? That would be very difficult because <laughs> it has taken 10 years 
the first thing that I would recommend is the ability to open up your life to another man, not just any man, not just, he doesn't need to be an older man, because clearly I'm not older than most of the people that I work with, but you need to take risks. I, I remember a particular chapter of my journey really opened up where I was a part of this local men's group in a little seaside town, not far from here. And every week we would check in. And most of the time things will be okay with, with most people. But I remember feeling really bad. And back, th back then I didn't have any emotional intelligence to put words on that. I, I didn't know what, it, I just felt really lost inside. And it was dangerous, it was dark. And I didn't know what it was. So as I always do, I just, I just keep it quiet. I'm okay, as long as I'm okay on the outside. But then it struck me that I'm sitting here in a sacred space where well, I'm, I'm meant to be myself here. <laughs> so I decided to take a risk and to put it all on the table. So when it was my turn, I just, I just decided to say, guys, actually, I'm not doing well at all. I don't know what it is. I feel horrible. And I was the youngest member of the group. And I, I just left it there. And for a while, there was silence. And that just, it was a soul-killing silence because I thought, here I am, taking yet another risk. For what? Making myself vulnerable. For what? Help cannot come. And then the man who led the group, just very, very kind, older man in his uh, early 50s then, he said to me, well, George, if you have time after the group, maybe me and you can, if you want to stay for a chat, maybe you can talk. And in this way, a huge avenue of, of healing, of help, of, of, of beauty opened up to me. Um, books, resources, one-to-one -one mentoring with this guy. He recommended things and websites and, and talks. And it was beautiful, but because I had taken that risk. So my advice to everyone is you need to open up. Yes, you can get a lot of help from the internet and I'm doing to this day, but there's something about men. A man, when he's a young boy, needs to be taken on a physical journey by other men, by the world of men, by your father, not only by a father. And this can still happen. It's not too late. The masculine initiation can still happen because that boy is still young inside of you. People say, well, it's too late for me. No, it's not. Do you feel like a little lost young boy sometimes, scared and helpless? Oh, yeah. That's where your clue is. So open that little boy up to an older, kinder, wiser man. Someone who had actually walked on that journey. Not someone who has big claims or big business or helping many people. This person should have lived through his own pain so that he'll be able to, to take on your, your pain. And I think that's advice number one. Everything else will just follow. Mm. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. But that student needs to open his heart. Yeah. If he just shut down and just waits for, that, for someone to come probing, this might never happen. Yeah, yeah I, I find time and time again in my own life with, with clients that everything you want, right? Every, every growth potential within us, it all starts with taking a risk. If there's if there's not some if there's not a little edge of fear about something, then it probably doesn't help you very much. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So uh, you, you mentioned uh, your your dad multiple times and and brothers. What's your relationship like with with your dad and brothers now? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, my brother is different. We've never had a close relationship. Uh, well, I never had any close thing with anyone <laughs> when I was growing up. But um, with my dad, I remember. Not that long ago, actually, six, seven years ago, I remember going back to Bulgaria and still expecting him to validate me and still expecting, oh, I wish he'd said something nicer to me. I wish he did. And now that's totally gone. 
I had had so many experiences of facing my inner pain and darkness and my desire to, to physically hurt him even, which would have been unheard of growing up with him because he was a scary man to me. He never touched me. He never laid a finger on me. And I think that's what made it worse. Because the fact that why he never touched me is because probably if he started hitting me, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have stopped. So much suppressed anger in, in him. And he, to this day, bless him, he's proud that he, did, he didn't beat his children. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know why? Because you, <laughs> you probably kill us. <laughs> um, so now when we sit together and, uh, and I cherish those moments, um, I just feel so much for him, for the way he grew up. But because I've forgiven him. And I have done so because I've faced my anger to him. So now there's nothing. Now it's just goodness. And also, not only do I want to bless him now with experiences, with sharing life with him, but I'm actually looking for gold within his own life. Well, that tell me about a long time ago when you grew up. How was it? Or tell me about when you used to draw, you used to be able to, to paint a little bit. What happened? And it's oh, that was a long time ago. And it's almost like when you're not healed, you feel like you want to weep from your pain, from your father. But when you're whole inside, you want to weep for them. And I feel great and, and yet very sad that, you know, my father is in his late 60s and, and he's so repressed and shut down. And I just feel sad for him and I, I love him so much. I never ever felt any love for him growing up because I was too busy wanting to be like him, wanting to please him. But now, glimpses of that real person, I can see them and I just cherish that. And I'm trying to get through to that, trying to, to share with him some resources, some, some films or books that have touched me somehow so that he can become more like a boy again, which is not easy for him. Has he been receptive to any of the things that you've shared? Receptive, I don't know. <laughs> the, word, the word is respectful because he knows me. He knows, um, he sees that the way I'm, I'm changing is, is good and I'm not becoming less of a man or, or anything, not at all, not the opposite. He, he sees all the strength in me and I think he's respecting me more and more, but he's very silent about it, <laughs> uh, which you can understand. Yeah, Res respectful more than receptive, I guess. Okay. And, and curious. Oh, good. Yeah. So he's not at least closed down and he's not, he's not chastising you and thinking that you've become less of, of anything. Well, if he did that, I wouldn't be silent. <laughs> I don't feel any inferiority like I felt before. And if he did that, then, um, then we'll probably have a good exchange. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's one thing just top of mind that you wish more men knew? Who they were deep inside. And what is, what's one potential path that a man could take to discovering that? The path towards your biggest pain, towards the door that has been shut inside of you forever. You know, for example, if you grew up like me being introverted and, and just being, uh, being timid, you take this to be part of your character. And I've had an uncle like that. I said I had because he drank himself to death. He was a very talented painter and he didn't have any inner warrior, any guts. He couldn't fight for anything in his life. And uh, very creative, but again, stuck in that childhood. He didn't have the strength of a man that his father had. Probably that's why he didn't have it. <laughs> his father was way too uh, controlling and, and, and scary. So whatever it is about yourself that you think you're not, that's the direction you need to go. I don't care what label you put on it. I don't care if you, well, I've got depression. I've always gonna have depression, really. I could have hid behind depression and I could have gone to the doctors and get 
all sorts of certificates and things. And I, well, I'm like this because of this. But I challenge every man to take a step against that, in that direction, against that, the, to, to basically go against the tide of, of your long life. Well, I've always been fearful. I've always been timid. I, I, I was never expressive or I've always, um, I'm not a challenger or I am a challenger. I, I'm an achiever. I'm, I'm tough. That's the other extreme. What's that about? What's driving you? Are you being led or are you being driven? Because nowadays, another extreme when people want you to be a winner and to be a champion and, and the word driven is becoming a good thing. It's not a good thing. You don't want anyone driving you. You don't want any inner desire to prove to yourself or to your dead father or to I don't care who. You don't want to be driven. You want to be led from, from your inner gifting, from your sense of purpose. And that's a man who is free. That's why when I look at those heroes that I used to admire, I read those books now and I weep. But I'm also inspired because I look at someone like that guy. I mentioned Vasil Levski, and he's someone who's strong warrior, a poet, a lover. In it, like you know that book Robert Moore. Of course, you know it. <laughs> uh, so he's got that the full king, warrior, magician, lover thing, and he also has a sense of joy. When things are not going well, when he's arrested and he's, he's about to be hanged, he sings. When when it's cold and he lives in the forest, surrounded by wolves, he sings. Wow. There's that deep joy because of, you know who you are. You, you, you've got purpose. It's not just about making life nice and good and safe. You've got purpose. And that purpose is life-changing. So, um, yeah. Again, I, I, I went way too far into one. No, no, no. Limitless. Limitless. There's no, there's no going too far. <laughs> uh, what are you proud of? Do you mean in myself or... You decide what I mean. Well, I'm very proud of people whose lives I've been an influence in. I'm very proud to see someone whom I have had the honor to work with or, or had some input. I'm very proud to see them step out of their comfort zone and, and become more of the person they were meant to be. And I've seen that and I can't get enough of that. And it's just beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. I, you know, help people with their confidence. And it's not an external thing again, you know, Confident had to have from inside, but <clears throat> people who, who are timid and they can't speak in public and when they see them step out and speak and that's, I just, I just feel that pride and that's, I'll just say that that's what I'm proud of. Yeah. Awesome. And, you know, earlier you mentioned that kind of really the state of the world is so broken right now, but so I wonder if there, if there, is there anything that you're looking <clears throat> forward to? In, uh, in my personal life or? Both. Ah, well, the first thing is I'm looking forward to becoming the man that I know I can be and I know I was born to be deep down. But also I'm looking forward to becoming, no, I should start this again. Also, I'm looking forward to seeing more men walking into the power of who they're meant to be, which would transcend culture because culture is powerful. I want to see men breaking out of culture. And then of course, their families will break out of culture because, as we said, back then, culture the men had to be one way. And now many men lament not having that strength, which is actually legitimate, of course, yeah. You don't want to bring back that stuff, but there's part of you that will be missing if you just move on to just decrying all that, oh, well, that's toxic. And again, being a slave to culture. So imagine what it would be like to never had that, to never had anything to push against or to live up to. Today, we're pushing against the old school masculinity which is from a good, uh, there's a good 
I wouldn't say motivation, but there is a good reason for that. But then, you know, then they had to live up to things so that to become that cold and unfeeling. Imagine if there was no cultural pressure. Wow. That's the true self-emerging. And that's, that's a better world. Mm. So I'm looking forward to, to human beings becoming who, who they could be. And then everything will be better. Beautiful. Um, you, you've mentioned that you have a podcast. So, so tell me about that. Cause I, I, I didn't realize that. Um, yeah. It's on Men's Corner again. I'm trying to, to make Men's Corner into something that will be well-rounded. So video and podcast and articles. So it's menscorner.co.uk. And the podcast is, I've always, well, not always, but for the last, ever since I started on a sort of deeper journey, I, I've always been passionate about speaking, which is very interesting because I'm called to live in this place and I'm called mainly to reach English-speaking people. And I've got a very, in case you haven't seen, you haven't heard, yeah, I've got a very, very hard accent. And I'm not, I actually like myself and I love myself. I just wish people would understand me, but I think they do. For some weird reason, my accent really works. <laughs> so I love public speaking and podcasting is, is one thing that I've recently started to do. It's, it's sort of difficult to know because there's so many things that you want to say and it's difficult to just stay with one thing. But yeah, it's, it's all going to be on Men's Corner and it's literally just starting out from last year. It's just begun. Cool. Um, yeah. And so besides checking out the podcast, the Men's Corner, um, wh what are some of the best ways for people to, to connect with you, to find out what you're up to, to learn more about you? Well, um, my coaching website is trainingformen.co.uk. And um, I've got a program I've called the Life Training for Men. Because as I mentioned earlier, we need that training. That inner boy we, inside of every man needs a training to become fully who he's meant to be, to hatch, as it were. To, be, uh, to own his emotions and, and his whole self. So there, people get in touch with me there and I give them a free initial sessions just so that I can give them some direction and help. And sometimes that alone is enough to start them on a journey. Then they go and see someone. Or, so we can have a conversation by Zoom or Skype or phone and we take it from there. But it's trainingformen.co.uk. Excellent. Cool. Well, I, I really appreciate how much of, of you you have shared with us today and how, and, uh, you know, I'm proud of your transformation as well and, and all the ways that you're being of service and ju just shining your light, sharing your experiences, you know, encouraging other men to, to be willing to look at their shadow, be willing to heal and to forgive. It's, it's incredibly important to, to let all of us be less broken. Mm. Cool. Amen. Thank you, Andy. Thanks a lot. Is, is there anything else you, you want to add? Any, uh, any final words of wisdom to share? Well, one thing just came to mind as you were speaking is that one of the podcasts I did lately is um, there was a quote in there by um, Hemingway. And if you know anything about Ernest Hemingway's, if anyone knows about brokenness, it's him. The guy killed himself. <laughs> he, he literally took his own life. And he says, the world breaks everyone. And afterward, many are strong in the broken places. And my desire, my wish for men is not just to be healed, but to become strong in the broken places. In other words, where you've been broken, now you're not only able to to feel good and be strong about that part of yourself, but to actually reach out and support others. 
And I think that's happening to me more and more, like in terms of my own shadow and my own hiding from men. Now I'm actually helping men to get in touch with that part of themselves, which was my deepest wound. So that's what I want to see in men. And I want to encourage men to pursue their own inner healing so that they can be strong in the broken places. Not so much that they can be good, nice men and they no longer get angry or watch porn, whatever. That's not good enough. Unless you bring the positive in your life, just being negative is not going to work. No little boy grew up dreaming, oh, I can't wait to be a man who is not a racist or he's not sexist or he's not watching porn or drinking all day. That's not good enough. That's not good enough to get you out of bed. You need to be someone that you want to be. And that's what I want to leave people strong in the broken places. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Uh, thanks again for joining us, George. Thanks for everyone for, for tuning in. I do encourage you to check out George's sites. We'll have uh, links to everything that was mentioned in the show notes at realmenfeel.org. Uh, wherever you are finding Real Men Feel, please give a like, a share, a review, a comment. Um, we rely on you. Uh, tell me what you want to hear about in future shows. Recommend guests. That's how a lot of people that are on here end up getting here. So whatever you're doing, be good to yourself. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel.